the Broncos Blitz podcast with Ronnie K, presented by Tap 14. Analysis and commentary to help you get your Broncos fixed during the offseason. Subscribe on iTunes or Google Play or listen on demand anytime in the Mile High Sports mobile app. Welcome to the Broncos Blitz Podcast. My name is Ronnie Court. You can follow me on Twitter at Ronnie K Radio at R-O-N-N-I-E, the letter K Radio on Twitter. And of course, my work at MileHighSports.com with the daily broadcast, or uh, excuse me, the podcast, the Broncos Blitz Podcast to be exact. Recapping the win over the Seattle Seahawks 27-24. Joining me today on the podcast, Sean Drotar. You've heard him not only on this podcast, but of course, you hear him on mornings at 5280 on Mile High Sports Radio, AM 1340, FM 1047, 7-9 Monday through Friday, and of course, his written work also at MileHighSports.com. Sean, thanks for joining me on the podcast. Anytime. Always fun to follow a win. They only had five yes. last year, so you're a fifth of the way there already. They're 20% of the way to meeting um, last year. It feels pretty good. Oh, yes, it does. And I tell you what, of course, another place that's good is Tap 14, 1920 Blake Street. Just a hop, skip, and a jump away from Coors Field. 70 Colorado beers on tap, 100 Colorado s- distilled spirits. Uh, those are my favorite, but I tell you what, as I recommend always on the Broncos Blitz podcast, the nachos over there at uh, Tap 14 and the candied bacon. You have to try it. Go on over to Tap 14. Maybe it's this weekend. Saturday, Sunday, brunch is available 10 to 2. And, of course, for college football as well, too. You know, it's a Broncos podcast. But, more wow, those college Colorado teams, uh, CSU, CU, getting big wins over the weekend as well, too. So head on over to Tap 14. Enjoy the college football on Saturday, the NFL football on Sunday, and on the web, tap14.com. Spell out the word 14 for me, tap 14 dot com broncos get the win 27 24 of course their defense shines their offense is timely they had a bunch of surprises but let's start with the offense and case keenum because sean uh, there was it was amazing because keenum of course turns the ball over three times he has three touchdowns three picks in the win um, i've never seen somebody throw three picks but kind of look good at the same time. Uh, what were your impressions? Yeah, I, I think the overall game, you're right. Uh, he, he generally did look pretty good, but I, I don't think you can throw three picks and be proud of your game, especially when, quite frankly, uh, all three picks were his fault. That's the other catch, too. It wasn't one of those that got bad at his bad luck. Sure. Uh, you know, the receiver dropped it. Uh, he made, they were poor decisions. He made bad, they they were poor decisions. The, the first interception to Earl Thomas, a guy that literally reported about 48 hours prior, uh, he did not did, did not even look off the safety. He didn't even pay attention to where the safety was, basically, and that was a, a major problem. So he ended up throwing a very easy pick for for Thomas. Uh, you know, he had another one sail on him that he just kind of airmailed the ball. So, yeah, those are things that have to be fixed. The bright side is you can do those uh, – in a loss and you're a little more frustrated in a win, I think you can accept it and say, all right, I just have to clean something up. And that's what Keenum has to do. Dodged is, bullets. Is maybe, clean it up. Right. Because I will say this, uh, obviously the pick on the first drive, he talked about it post game. Uh, and when I spoke with him in the locker room, it was, he said it was my fault. It, it was poor decision. Uh, and obviously Thomas wasn't even expecting the ball. He didn't even turn around. Uh, but the bounce back too, that's what I'm always looking for in a quarterback because you know what? They're going to throw interceptions. Watching him bounce back and also Bill Musgrave go into that hurry-up offense to go right down the field. Uh, Keenum was sharp on that drive, and of course it ends in the touchdown to Philip Lindsay. But how impressive was that to see him bounce back? Because uh, three interceptions, there's a lot of negatives there. And yet still, I think there is a part of this glass-half-full conversation that says... 
look, Denver gets the win, even though that may have been one of Keenum's worst games of the year, or at least we hope. Yeah, you hope. You don't want to throw more than three picks in a game. He only threw seven last year, the whole season. Yeah. So three in a game is, is pretty bad. But you're right. He kept his composure. Uh, they, they ended up playing okay. This is a, a fascinating win to take away from it because there were some things that looked really, really good. Yeah. And there were some things that made you worry a little bit, both on the offense and defense. And then the problem is trying to figure out in your opposition, who did you really play? Russell Wilson is all world. I think we know that. There's still some talent on the the Seattle defense, too. Earl Thomas is, is one of those guys. But you watch the uh, offense for Seattle, and, I mean, who did they have? When Doug Baldwin went down with his injury, you're talking about Tyler Lockett and some guys as top running back is Chris Carson. I mean, they, they well, really, look, it was one man army stuff that Russell Wilson was trying to pull they off had to and play one still of a the, three point game. They had to play one of the biggest threats in the NFL. Will Disley. Okay. Don't even get me. Started. Let's talk about the, uh, covering the tight end situation. They don't do it. Still for the Denver Broncos, like defense. the third straight year. I, I just, <laughs> I just don't get it. Will Disley could be sitting in this room and I wouldn't know who that guy was. Will and, and he just cruised <laughs> down the field. He's, he's 265 pounds, and at one point, he, I, I think he juked half the defense out of their cleats. Yeah, three catches, 105 yards, one touchdown. Of course, he had the big 66-yard uh, reception where he broke tackles from uh, Justin Simmons. He made Darian Stewart look really bad. But I would have caught the touchdown because he was swung out to the left, and no one went no with one him. No one was covering him. I, I mean, is this so much as this is the way it's going to be until they get safeties like Sua Cravens back, or can they do something amazing? immediately short term that can try to fill this i mean it just seems like this team just doesn't i don't get it they just don't know how to cover tight ends i'm not entirely sure i mean you know that in in the certain cases brandon marshall is not a speed guy so it's not like he's really going to hang with him uh todd davis is he's more of a run support guy as well the outside linebackers by and large you bradley chubb and and yvonne miller if you're going to sub in shane ray and shaq barrett and neither played all that many snaps but they're not likely to stick with those guys long term. So, yeah, you're really going to need that that hybrid safety dime linebacker probably to handle that. But there's really only one guy truly like that on the team, and that's Sua Cravens, and they don't know when he's going to be available. And you also don't know how much you can trust him either. He's going to only exactly. be in his second year. So I think this is going to be a constant problem for the Broncos. And uh, at the very least, when you look at the division, Hunter Henry was knocked out for the year. That's a, a help to the Broncos. You don't quite have to deal with that. But I, I, I shudder to think what's going to happen when they have faced Travis Kelsey. Uh, and and certainly, obviously, there are good tight ends that are on the schedule that are coming down the line. But I will say this. Uh, Russell Wilson, you talked about, all world, a very good quarterback. And there were times where he created those opportunities mobile-wise and certainly shifting the pocket around. Uh, but, but I do almost look at the game and say, you know what, I will take the Will Disley beating us in the world as long as Tyler Lockett, Doug Baldwin, and everybody else just doesn't go off. Um, it's almost kind of like you're accepting the tight end is going to be the tight end. You hope that you contain him and you don't you know, absolutely get decimated. But as long as you contain everybody else, I think I'm fine with that. Well, I think that's what the Broncos are too because it, you, clearly they've, they've known this is a, a flaw and it's really hasn't been patched up they haven't changed personnel they haven't really done anything to fix it so I, I think you're right and even if you think about uh, most teams the look the biggest dangers are the guys the, the wide receivers or the running backs it's not generally the tight end yes Travis Kelsey is very dangerous yes uh, Rob Gronkowski is dangerous but the tight end is is an effective player it's generally not a game-breaking talent in this case and uh, to Disley's credit he had a great game but I don't necessarily think he's one either
Yeah, exactly. I agree. It's the Broncos Blitz podcast. Of course, the daily Broncos Blitz podcast you can find at milehighsports.com. Also, you can find us on Twitter. Uh, Sean, where can they find you on Twitter? Uh, S Drotar. That's S-D-R-O-T-A-R. You pointed out also, of course, the radio show. And uh, I do one of these podcasts myself. It's only twice a week, but we... uh, with the Colorado Rockies. You've been on that one quite a bit as well, the Blake Street Irregulars. Yeah, and if you can find me on Twitter, at Ronnie K Radio, that's R-O-N-N-I-E, the letter K, radio, on Twitter. And, uh, of course, we're talking about the defense here against the Seahawks. Obviously, the one guy who just absolutely shined was Von Miller. Now, Pro Football Focus, of course, friends of the program, uh, rated Miller at 94.6 on the run defensive grade. That was the highest among all edge defenders in week one. Of course, the five total pressures, three sacks, two forced fumbles, didn't miss a tackle. Uh, And, of course, those numbers, thanks to our friends at Pro Football Focus, where you can get 20% off your elite and Edge memberships. Use the promo code POD20. That's POD20 for 20% off your Elite or EBS memberships. And I tell you what, the Elite memberships are very, very cool. Edge ones as well, where you can get all kinds of deep analytics. And if you're a fantasy football nut, well, all kinds of matchups too. I got the email, I think it was Wednesday, where it was wide receiver versus cornerback. And they had different projections and percentages, and I ended up using those numbers to start one wide receiver over the other, and it turns out I scored more points because of it. So check out our friends at Pro Football Focus. That's profootballfocus.com. Use a promo code POD20 for 20% off your subscription. Uh, Von Miller, Sean, what do you... What do you even say about this guy? I don't I mean, know. This is... you're, you're out of superlatives. Uh, he's the most disruptive defensive player in the league. He is entering... Uh, Lawrence Taylor territory. I mean, that kind of reputation where you know this guy is going to wreak havoc on your day. You know he will. There's nothing you can do about it. You just have to find a way to work around the fact that that's going to be there. Uh, much like we talked about the Broncos and their inability to cover tight end, it's it's not apples to apples. But you know when you're playing the Patriots, look, look Rob Gronkowski's going to get his. You can't really stop him. That's just how it goes. Sure. And that's the way Von Miller is handling things on defense. It, it really is. It's becoming a Lawrence Taylor type of vibe where he is disrupting the game in all sorts of ways, and, and there's really no way to, to contain him. You just hope he doesn't happen to break you at the wrong time. Yeah, I mean, it really is a absolute joy to watch this guy pass rush because he takes so much pride in it. He thanked a lot of his teammates uh, post-game when he talked about uh, moving into the top 50 in all-time sacks, and yet the guy is, what, in his late 20s, 29? I mean, he's just an unheard-of talent. And certainly, obviously, lining up next to the rookie now, uh, Bradley Chubb, who on the very first play of the game got a little taste of what it is to to sack the quarterback, a half-sack with uh, Darian Stewart. Uh, your overall impressions of the defense and, and their pass rush, that was just relentless. Well, the pass rush was terrific. I, I, there wasn't any complaint about the pass rush, and it wasn't even the sacks that made me happy about it. The catch is, if you play Russell Wilson. Wilson looks to get out of the pocket and create. Now, when you think a quarterback's getting out of the pocket, you're thinking, all right, he's going to run around. He's going to he's going to go ahead and take yards that way. No, Russell Wilson is the kind of quarterback that you want when you have a scrambling guy. He's not out there to take a big hit. He's not out there to run. When he gets out wide, he's looking to make a pass. He's extending the play throw it downfield. I've always said the difference between a running quarterback and a scrambling quarterback. Right, yes, and Russell Wilson is definitely the scrambler. He's yes. looking to make plays downfield, and I, I think 
for the Broncos, the one thing that uh, I, I wrote up in our in our preview on MileySports.com, I was less concerned about sacks or things like that. I just didn't want to see the Broncos over pursue mm. because you over pursue, chase them out of the pocket, and you don't have anybody on that side when he rolls out. Now you're in trouble because your guys are on the island. And I I know Chris Harris Jr. is very good, as we've also seen though he can be beat. We know Bradley Roby can be beaten. They, this is not a defensive backfield. It's still a very good one, but they're not invincible and. The Broncos not only did a good job keeping the heat on Russell Wilson, but they did it appropriately. You weren't necessarily all-out rushes. You did it with pace to make sure that Wilson got stuck in the pocket uh, far more than he wanted to get stuck there. Well, and it certainly helps when the Seattle rushing game was uh, really – it was a non-factor. And they, didn't, and they didn't commit to it as much as they probably should have, but it was very much a non-factor as uh, they averaged just a hair, well, right at that 4.0 marker, but only ran it 16 times. It seemed like they just got too reliant on Russell Wilson. Now, that being said, the Broncos' offense controlled the time of possession for quite a majority of the game. I believe that the first half, it was swayed almost 75-25 in favor of Denver, obviously. Look what happens when you can run, right? Yeah, exactly. And uh, speaking of the running, that's a perfect transition to talk about, uh, of course, the two rookies who just shined for Denver. Identical stat lines, too, which is yeah. quite interesting. 15 carries, 71 yards uh, for a 4.7 average for both Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman. Obviously, uh, everybody wants to go goo-goo-gaga over Philip Lindsay, the local product. He catches the touchdown. He does a little bit of everything. I want to concentrate more so on the workload here because – 15 for Lindsay and 15 for Freeman. I, I think that's okay now. I don't think that lasts over a 16-game period because Philip Lindsay's body just doesn't hold up in the NFL that way. Uh, do you disagree? Are you okay with how they split time? Uh, where are you at with this? I mean, I actually think he could handle 15 carries, but I don't think they will. I think if you were talking about 30 carries, I think it should probably be more 2010, probably. I do think they need to... You need to mix Lindsay in on the ground. He's got to run because otherwise you tip your hand and say, okay, this is going to be a pass play. He does have to run and he has to run up the middle, which they did do. Yes. Uh, Bill Musgrave did a very good job with that. Even if it's just for a decoy, you have to show another team that if Philip Lindsay's in, he may run any, any of these running plays too. He might go right up the gut on you. You can't predict it. Uh, Royce Freeman, I thought was really impressive, not only uh, because of the, the power game that he kind of has, but really impressive and give, give some credit to the blocking. But the idea that he's, he's a between the tackles guy, and he can be. But yesterday, uh, on the left tackle side, if he was running outside of, of the left tackle of Garrett Bowles, 7.7 yards a carry going to the left side, 6.4 yards per carry going uh, outside on the right over Jared Veld here. So he was effective going to the outside as well. So uh, you have two backs that were dynamic, one that's what, a little more powerful in Freeman, one that's faster and can definitely catch out of the backfield in Lindsey. And I don't know what you do with Devontae Booker, who only got two carries because quite frankly he doesn't have the power of freeman he doesn't have the speed and effectiveness and spaces lindsey I, I think these two guys this, this is your this is your committee they have more running backs and i get that but this is your committee and until there's some reason that they, they can't do it yeah absolutely it's the broncos blitz podcast of course a daily podcast you can find it at milehighsports.com and also again want to thank our friends over there at tap 14 and pro football focus where i bring you this stat because you know you don't have a good running game without the offensive line and i thought the offensive line was very quality as far as not only run but pass block as well too uh in week one against seattle the broncos offensive line basically kept their QB clean. I mean, uh, Case Keenum was only sacked once. 85% of the time, he was free of pressure. That is the best mark by a Broncos offensive line since week 15 
of 2014. That's I believe that is that, three you gave me that number. That's amazing. Plus years ago, uh, and of course that stat from Pro Football Focus. Our friends at Pro Football Focus want to thank them very much for that and being partners of the program. So the offensive and, line looked very impressive. And you know who came out on top in the in those Pro Football Focus rankings from the pass block. Jared Veld here. Oh, so we we've talked about that in the past. He was a major addition, and uh, I he's, he's don't get me wrong, he's not a routine Pro Bowl guy, but he's been very effective at the NFL level when he's healthy. Uh, the upgrade if Veld here can stay on his two feet this season from the basically carousel of guys the Broncos have been going through on the right tackle spot uh, that gives you an idea of how incredibly important that he can be there the other thing to worth noting in the pass blocking by the way if you were to go down that Veldier was first then Paradis then Connor McGovern the right guard then right before Garrett Bowles two guys with a 77.3 Philip Lindsay and a 74.7 Royce Freeman the big concern with running backs is the idea that they get caught up in pass pro they don't know how to react to that not only are these two guys pretty good blockers more importantly they're willing blockers they're going to take on anybody uh if freeman's bigger but Lindsay is not afraid of going and, and and getting in front of guys he did it at colorado he's going to do it here if they can keep that kind of pressure off it will make a big difference for case keenum yeah he's not afraid to stick his head in and that to me that's half the battle uh you just have to have that mental mindset i think blocking you just have to take pride in it there has to be such a mental uh, makeup to you being a good one, um, and and going back to Valdir too, you know that that is such a refreshing number to see because uh, again the Broncos don't need. I've said this in previous podcasts, they don't need Pro Bowl level right tackle play. I mean, you'll I take mean, it. It'd be if great you if you it, could, obviously. but yeah, that's... but as long as you can just get competent play, and that's what they got from Valdir in Week One, and obviously it showed. Case Keenum sacked only once. I want to talk really quick about the weapons uh, that Case Keenum was working with at the receiving side because uh, for. The the guy who who really shined in training camp preseason, Cortland Sutton, it was kind of a quiet day because it was the Emmanuel Sanders show, uh, Sean. And I don't think this surprises anybody who was down there at training camp, uh, obviously watching in preseason. Sanders led the team in receptions, yards, tied for obviously the one touchdown, uh, had the longest catch of the day, had the most targets. There is a very clear chemistry that is really exciting to watch between Keenum and Sanders. And it's been there from the get-go. Yeah. So you're right. That is exciting. And, and uh, it, it I like that they didn't necessarily move away from Demarius, too. As you pointed out, sure. they had the most Agreed. targets, 11. But Demarius Thomas had 10. He had and, 10, and, yeah. And uh, he didn't get the 10 out of 11 catches like Sanders did. But the, the fact that there was a little bit of an opportunity to spread it around meant that Demarius Thomas was able to make the catch of the game, which really ends up winning the game for the Broncos, a phenomenal grab uh, in the front corner of the end zone where somehow he managed to ballerina style get the feet back in there. So the the weapons out there are substantial. And you got to see a little bit of, of Jake Butt and Jeff Hireman. You got to see a little bit of Cortland Sutton. Uh, this is a team that has weapons. And uh, again, we've talked about it there. That if, if they can run like they ran, there was enough offense here. If the Broncos don't have those picks by Keenum, this game is a laugher. Yes. But the but the picks were real and they were on Keenum again. Not fluky. They were not fluky picks. They were all of them bad decision or bad execution on the part of Case Keenum. He's got to clean that up against a better team. I don't think Seattle's going to win a lot of games this year. Seattle, yeah. I think, may be picking in the top half dozen yeah, at the end of the year. They're in rough shape. They have Russell Wilson and not a lot. And so I, I think against a better team, the Broncos may lose this game because of those interceptions. You can't accept that kind of turnover. The bright side is I think Keenum's a conscientious guy. Uh, he doesn't have a huge track record of, of success, but I have all the confidence in the world he's going to work on it and be smarter. 
But it is one thing to note that, you know, this wasn't a game where Keenum threw three interceptions and then just was generally inaccurate and 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 didn't make any plays. He did make plays. And so I think it was one and of those. And his completion percentage on the whole was actually very good. Yeah, yeah. It, it was a high-volume game that, where he made a couple mistakes. And, and he owned up to it, and certainly we'll see how that translates to week two uh, when never plays to Oakland. And getting back to Demarius Thomas, you know, he only had the six catches on the ten targets. But a reminder, six first downs as well, too. And that's a big deal to continually move the chains. Yeah, for the Denver that time of possession you were talking about, yeah. which is going to be critical. The Broncos in the last few years have had their losses in part because the defense is very good. And maybe this isn't the best defense in the league, but it's good. And it's dynamic. You can get to the quarterback. If you can be disruptive like that, it changes the way that your team plays. But they need to stay fresh. And that means the offense can't have a lot of three and outs. They've got to be able to find a way to to keep those chains moving. And, and yeah, the fact that you're pulling in all those first downs, that's a big, big deal. Yeah, 35 to 24. Uh, as far as the time difference when it comes to possession. So certainly a big deal. It's the Broncos Blitz podcast, a daily podcast at milehighsports.com. Sean Drotar joining me. Of course, you can catch him on mornings at 5280, 7 to 9, Monday through Friday on Mile High Sports, AM 1340, FM 104.7. You can also find his work written-wise at milehighsports.com. Quickly, before we end the podcast, do you feel better about the team after week one? Because there were pros and then there were cons, and some of the cons are quite glaring, uh, yay, nay on this team. Do you feel better about him after? I am point? happy. I am happier with the performance in the offensive line than I expected. I, I think McGovern and Veldier on the right did a pretty nice job. That's really promising. Uh, I think we know that the Broncos have weapons on the outside. I was delighted to see the way the running backs went. My concern, and this is maybe still a little unfair, is still Case Keenum. This is a guy that has had basically about a dozen game string of really good games in his, his entire career. So. I'm not entirely confident. The three interceptions makes me concerned. I think that this Broncos team can be effective if they're playing from the lead. We talk about game-managing quarterbacks, and I don't necessarily think that's a bad word in the NFL, maybe a game-manager, but Case Keenum is a game-manager. You don't ask him to go out and be Brett Favre and run around out there and sling it and steal games for you. He can't do what Aaron Rodgers did last night against the Bears. That's not what he does. If you have a lead, he is basically a poor man as Alex Smith. If you have a lead, hopefully he doesn't make the mistakes and you can bring that home. But that's what he's got to be. And so you come out and have three picks in that first game. That makes me nervous. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how he plays in the next week. But at the very least, I would admit that even that kind of performance, it's a step up from where they've had the last couple Definitely. of years. Definitely. I mean, I, I, for once, the Broncos went on offense and I was like, wow, I can see competency. Right. Offense. They're uh, not. It's not luck when they get a first down. Yeah, That's exactly. nice. Yeah. A team that actually moves the ball. Holy cow. Uh, certainly, Case Keenum's got to clear up those interceptions. But I will say this uh, game manager may be that term that we use for Case Keenum, but I did like the aggression of him trying to attack that Seahawks defense. Uh, and I know multiple picks were were on that, that play where he was looking to be aggressive downfield. We'll see because I think it's until proven otherwise, this is a guy who can't push the field yet right now, um, which is going to be a problem for Denver moving forward, but we'll see as certainly as uh, Oakland comes to town. Denver will get their second home game coming up this weekend as they look to go 2-0 and on the season. By the way, of note, that was the 18th of their last 19th when it comes to home openers uh, for the Denver Broncos, and they also own the longest kickoff weekend win streak in the NFL, which is now at 6. So for whatever the reason why, out of the gate, 
They're a dominant team. And Seattle, as it turns out, with the loss, now they're one and six on road openers under Ooh. Pete Carroll. So <laughs> a little bit of the perfect storm there. But there you uh, but you brought up with Keenum, something to keep in mind. All three of his interceptions went when the ball went more than 10 yards downfield. Uh, he did have the one touchdown uh, over there as well, the, the one the dump off over the middle that ended up working out for the touchdown. But uh, otherwise, not very good. Actually, when he threw the ball more than 20 yards downfield, that resulted in a two for seven with two interceptions. So, uh, it, it, again, the game manager idea, Case Keenum's not the guy to, to push you down the field in big chunks. That's not what he is. And, and as long as the Broncos scheme around that and understand that that's what, that, what's what he is, I think they'll be all right. And I think Bill Musgrave does understand that. He knows that uh, a majority of that's going to be short passing, uh, the death by paper cuts, and then you're going to take your chances on the on the aggressive deep balls, and uh, hopefully those pan out. It's the Broncos Blitz Podcast. Of course, want to thank our friends over there at Pro Football Focus, and then, of course, uh, well, 20% off your subscription to the Elite or Edge memberships. It's Pod20. Pod20 for 20% off your Elite or Edge memberships. Be sure to do that at ProFootballFocus.com. And, of course, thank our friends at Tab14, 1920 Blake Street. Hop, skip, and jump away from Coors Field. If you're done with the Broncos after uh, the Raiders game this weekend, head on over to Tab14 and enjoy the 70 Colorado beers on tap, the 100 Colorado Distilled Spirits, and of course, Chef Andrea Varela and that locally sourced rotating seasonally fare is just tremendous. Be sure to check them out. Tap 14 on the web, tap14.com. Sean, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Where can they find you on Twitter? Anytime you can uh, reach out, S Drotar. That's S D R O T A R. You can check me out there. If and you're of course, listening. at uh, Mornings at 5280. Give right. us a little taste of the morning show. Oh, my goodness. Uh, I'm the one that makes sense. The other guys. <laughs> uh, <laughs> So yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that, that's yeah. that's where we are. But uh, you, you talk about uh, uh, Pro Football Focus. I actually tried their DFS optimizer for the first time this. Uh, oh, you did this week. Did you win four for four, including beating my co-host Nate Lundy, who has a national television fantasy football show. Oh, so wow, poor Nate. I'm I'm P O D twenty. I uh, <laughs> you want to go check it out? It will make you really good. That's interesting. <laughs> you know, he walked in. And I asked him how his week his weekend was, and he was like, "Good." I don't want to talk about fantasy. And I was like, "I didn't bring up fantasy. What happened?" But now I know. Interesting. Okay. One of us came in first in our league. One of us came in last. There you go. It's the Broncos Blitz podcast. Where of course you can find previous archives of the Broncos Blitz podcast at MileHighSports.com. That's MileHighSports.com for archives of the Broncos Blitz podcast, news, discussions, interviews, all that good stuff over on the website MileHighSports.com.